And so we just like laid all the truth bare as to what everything happened and how things were. And then, you know, his feelings around what was happening, my feelings around what was happening, our feelings around the universe on the whole and how things kind of go. And from that moment, we were just kind of like connected, right? Kindred spirit. And then we started to, you know, go off in this own adventure, collecting all these new and interesting people and new and interesting experiences. And then as we went out to all these, you know, and at that time, like that, the rave scene was very big. Like there was a 3000 person party was small. We were very hedonistic and primal in our, uh, in our learnings down there and fun factor and just the freedom of doing whatever we could. Right, living experiences, just saying yes. And there was no, just saying there, cause there was yeah. no one there to say no. The overwhelming, interest and vibe of everyone was the fact that it, you could really just be like laid bare open full open everyone was your best friend in person and in varying degrees of reason and rationality for the most part you could count on that like at least non-dismissive tone or that not fixed mindset where they could like at least if they didn't even like enjoy that part, they could understand why that's great, man. That's yeah. cool. You can go and like, but through do your all, thing. Yeah, totally right. You do your thing. Oh, you look like you're having a great time. That's awesome. You know, like, yeah, enjoy. Right. It's so much easier to live in a fixed mindset for your own, like well-being than it is to be open to being, you know, either wrong or challenged, you know, or uncomfortable in that light too. And very easy to just jump into like, this is my position and that's why if you can catch yourself in a fixed mindset to kind of be curious or have that growth mindset where maybe I am wrong maybe I you know I want to test these you know boundaries or maybe there's something more for me here or something more that I can learn or bring through you know just being curious I do think it's important to remember a lot of your own story where you came from and where you're going specific to this notion of like I remember when I was that age I remember when I was 22, <laughs> you know, and, and where people were and where they were at and uh, where you've come from even to understand, you know, where, you know, the value you can have to bring and some experiences you have to tell and then not just discounting it because it was just this, it was just that. Because often whether or not you're bringing value, there's also the opportunity where certain people will understand the value they can impart on you knowing that you do have value, right? And that's that moments of belonging piece is you have value. Whether you can't see it right now and you need help bring it to the forefront, I think that's part of what's most interesting to me. All you need, you. show up, Living. pay attention, Your. participate. Favorite la 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 life. La 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 life. Good day, namaste. Welcome to Your Favorite Life. I'm Jeffasaurus Rex, and my goal is to bring you conversations of growth, creativity, and adventure. This podcast is sponsored by a good friend of mine, a realtor in the Simcoe County region, Derek Clugston. You can actually catch an episode with him and I on episode nine, where he talks about mindset and motivation. And there's plenty of lighthearted laughs in that episode too. Today, I had the pleasure of sitting down with Jesse Kerr from the Sandbox Business Center in Barrie. He is the senior manager in the partnership department, and he also goes by the show pony. I met Jesse at the Sandbox, and anyone else who's met Jesse knows that he's very open and loves to connect with people and be very curious and learn people's stories. And he's a lot of fun. He knows how to express himself. So I really enjoyed sitting down and having a really deep conversation. 
We ended up talking about belief systems and how we can be more curious in life, especially when people disagree and what we can learn from other people and everyone's got their own lens in life. So I hope you enjoy this episode and take something home with you. See you on the other side. <laughs> anyway, so, you know. You know, pigeons in Toronto, someone said like, you know, they they know how to battle, I guess. Like they live in the city. Like you totally. don't see pigeons in Barry, right? Like They're well, not as badass. Yeah, yeah. I know, right? It, like, well, we've got the cormorants, um, those big blackbirds that aren't crows. Okay. That like hang out on the spirit catcher and there's like 10 or 11 of them. Yeah, there's that little post, right? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? And they kind of sit about. on that thing. Totally. Yeah, is that what they're called? Cormorants. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I <laughs> Do my, you know that? My mom. She's one of these, like, I speak to nature ladies, absolutely, throughout my whole lifetime. So, and like, she's almost, what was that, Snow White, where like all the animals just kind of follow her around. And she, you know, there's Thumper and, you know, there's Buddy and, and names them all. And so she just kind of knows the realm of nature and like what this bird is and that bird is and this animal and all these traits. Now, whether or not there's truth behind any of the stories she tells behind them, I don't know. You just kind of take it at face value, right? Yeah. So I'm assuming it's called a cormorant because that's what she said. I didn't look it up. Didn't fact check her. You know what? I read a book about that, that animals can, when they sense your, um, your energy and your field, that they tend to spend more time with you or you attract certain animals. And so like with Snow White or who you're speaking of, like that's, that's really interesting. I'm like, telling you. And maybe just like learning their, what their, their species is or like a little bit about them. They're like, thanks for taking the time to learn about me. You know, and well, totally. we can be friends. Creating habitats for them and everything. Right? And, that true too. Yeah. Course, the feeding, feeding piece, them. Right. That was the hugest part. So she would feed like, feed all the raccoons, feed all the squirrels. And then obviously that's feeding all the birds as well. And then whatever other kind of creatures came in, we had like WWF rumbles, not, not the world wildlife foundation, but the world wrestling <laughs> federation rumbles in the backyard all the time from like different raccoons or cat species. And we, you know, we probably had two cats that we just kind of assumed off of the street one day. Cause I guess, you know, snow white was feeding everything. So the, the cat was like, Oh, this is a good place to be. So we had a couple of cats that we just uh, started to live with us. We had lynx, and this cat was an outdoor scrapper. Speaking of, you know, pigeons downtown, this was an outdoor scrapping cat, and it kind of adopted, or adapted rather, to moving. It adopted us and adapted to living inside. We had that cat for a while. That cat should have died many times over and probably used up 18 of the nine lives. It used to come, like, missing half of its face from these fights that it was in, and would just lay there on the front, like, lay there on the front stoop for, like, three days, and you'd be like, are you... Are you still alive? <laughs> anyway, I don't even remember how that cat passed, but then five or six years later, this other cat, which we refer to as the son of Lynx, because it looked just like the original cat. We called it Lynx because it looked like a bobcat, kind of like a little Lynxy kind of cat. And then this other one came around and we were like, that's interesting. The like, next generation of that yeah. adopted animal just kind of found its way to us. And then, yeah, I think that cat... I don't know if that cat made it up. No, it didn't make it up to Barry when they moved from Newmarket. But anyway, <laughs> all this to say, all the weird animal stories that are out there. And just, uh, I think for me, what that touches on, uh, if we were to go back in time, is the sheer belief that can be instilled in you just because your direct adult or parent figure said, that's a cormorant. 
and you're like, that's a cormorant. Right. And then you go out into the world, cormorants. And here I am sharing with you. Now, I don't know if any of that's true, but that was instilled in me. Right. And so it's been interesting over the course of my life to reflect on some of these learnings. Yeah. You know, from, and I, and I did have a, re a rebellion phase back in the day. We can get towards that one at some point in the pivotal moments in time. Uh, that one is probably the biggest one to me that uh, we can touch on. But just this notion that what do you really know? And who taught you that? Or what taught and, you that? And what did they know? And where <laughs> did that information come from? Right. And so this, I don't even know if it's, if it's degenerative learning in that sense, where <laughs> it's the broken telephone. I was literally just going to say that. As, huh? We must be vibing. I was going to say broken telephone. The broken telephone yeah. model? And, uh, or was that, you know, some educated perspective? And then even then, as we kind of especially, I guess, in the last couple of years here between, you know, in the pandemic years and, and some of the historical context of things that have been brought to light through different, you know, recognitions and movements, even inside of Canada. Uh, specifically, I would think that um, when we're talking about the Indigenous population and some of the listed atrocities that uh, they've kind of incurred, you know, that wasn't information that was ever really instilled or passed on to me. And so you kind of asked the question, what is real? And, and I mean, I'm going to go way off on a different minor tangent. I'm going to leave that yeah, one there going. and then we can go. But, um, like knowledge and truth to me kind of seems to be at the hands of the former conquerors whoever's message. And I got an interesting one on the Bible on this. I was having this conversation with uh, my better half, who's recently spent a little more time in uh, the realm of religion and specifically the Bible and God and Jesus and something that, you know, up until her early 40s, she had never had a part of. And I actually was raised <laughs> in pieces of that throughout my career. But it was, she said to me, you know, we were looking at this historical context, and this is the tie back to this notion of the conqueror, you know, rules all as far as knowledge and what has been historically versus what actually is. And how do you know? In one of her groups, they said, well, how do you know that, you know, Jesus is real and existed and that wasn't actually a thing? And it was one of the most widely distributed books of its time. And I said, well, that just makes it nothing more than a bestseller. And then I said, and I mean, to put it into a little more context and reality perspective, people would know specifically back then that you could wipe out, and, and this was, you know, countless examples, again, if it's true, that we've actually learned, you know, someone like Attila the Hun or people who went in or the Romans and they went and they tried to conquer. And in these battles, it was generally trying to take down your history, your culture, and potentially your people by wiping out all knowledge of you. Think of all the things that we will never know or could, and I mean, you can't quantify this, but it's reasonable to think. Something like the lost city of Atlantis style of, of thinking. Does it exist? Is it all just myth? Did someone just wipe out all historical record of it so we would never know? And that's all it takes to destroy a culture. Even uh, as recent as the, the Taliban uh, in like 2018, 2017, where when they were going in insurgency and taking over the areas, the first thing they went and they started to destroy were all of their historical cultural artifacts because that will wipe their culture out if no one tells the story. So to bring this one back to the Bible and Jesus, and in that time period, because you didn't have this massive archive, not everyone had the resources, not everyone had the language, the ability to read, write, and all of that. 
what if they recognized that it needed to be widely distributed, so it, it was almost a decentralization of that reality in order to avoid it being destroyed? And so what if it all was destroyed and we never knew about it? Would that mean it wasn't real and it wasn't true? And now it's almost a, a he said, she said, no, no, there's a small faction of people who say that Jesus was real. Uh, uh, we don't have a historical context to prove it, but we swear it was. I'll write a book about it. And now it's real, but would anyone believe it? And so this just kind of in this concept of like, what is real and actual? How does anything survive? How do we know anything unless in the age of disinformation that we're in right now on a, and I'm probably on the opposite side of what most people would think is disinformation. I would think a lot of the mainstream messaging is more disinformation than not um, for various reasons. But how do you know what's real, even historically, even from what your mom told you? Is that a cormorant? Nice, nice. Uh, yeah, I remember reading someone said, once you stop, once you start believing something, you stop thinking. And so it's good to continue to ask questions, to be curious. And I'm not sure how you know what's real and what's true. That's a good question. Like, of course, you could say, like, if you actually experience it and see it with your eyes, I mean, then someone might still argue that. And, Absolutely. And I remember there was another good quote. Um, you don't have to believe it at least consider it and just don't reject it um, to stay open-minded. And yeah, it's, it's interesting that like what they wanted to wipe out was almost like an external version of their creativity or their heart. Like that was hmm. what made them unique. And yeah, and even if they wiped out as much as possible, people are still talking about say Jesus or or Atlantis and the fact that it's still being talked about it's still like can you wipe it all out it's like if it's this energetic thing yeah the record-keeping part of it becomes pretty critical right because um, I think it's fairly simple to say that if there was no record of it then there's no way that story carries forward and so to one of the prior points right like Think of all of the things potentially that we'll never know that existed or were lost. Um, and I think well, where some of that plays out now is to think of maybe different cultures uh, who believe in specific ways of living and doing things right down to, you know, something that might be easy to wrap your mind around would be like Eastern medicine or traditional like medicines that uh, different cultures will use because maybe they do have, either it's, it's by word of mouth conversation that they've come to understand that this is real and this is true. Well, if you tried to impart that into some other culture, maybe in, I remember when, I'm just gonna air quote this one because I'm still born in the 70s, you know, when it was like traditional Chinese medicine and like the way that that would be perceived in the Western culture that I'm thinking of in the 90s and 80s at that time as, you know, abstract hoo-hoo kind of that's not real even like a chiropractor <laughs> that's not real we can't do that but they would have some level of understanding from their own cultural context 
that that was something that was real and something to be used. And, and I think it's just really in the end, it's, I mean, we're kind of just talking about, you know, a belief system into getting into like, how do I know what's real? At some point, you have to just believe that it's true and that's what you believe because otherwise, how do you know other than lived experience for sure? And, you know, we may share the same experience of this right now and I may look at it in this way and you may look at it in this way. We may both look at it very highly crossed over and we might go, wow, I'm so interested in your perspective on that piece. I hadn't quite thought about it that way, but that totally fits, right? And that's, I don't know, that's vibing, right? Where the, the resonant energy that you believe and that crosses over in, in an instant that creates something that's visceral and true. So if it's true to you in that moment, I would say you would know it to be true potentially again in another moment where I may have a very different experience with somebody else who may see it from a completely different perspective. And yeah, it's really hard, especially in the last couple of years to stay open to that idea. Right. Right. Without just shutting that down. You know, I think there's a lot of, uh, obviously, uh, my reconciliation of the last few years at this point, is that it was kind of our first foray into uh, a heavy polarization in Canada where it was it was national, right? I mean, it was global, but from a Canadian perspective, the heavy polarization where I'm just going with what someone said. I'm not even going to bother to look into it because I just believe that person because, you know, I do. But did you actually even do any looking to believe what was there? You just believed it because your value set says, I'm just going to believe what those people say. Or, well, they're doing it too, and I, I'm align with them generally, so I'm just going to align right. versus asking the question. So I think that uh, when you start asking questions of what has been or was, specifically when it's presented with your own, like, this is what I believed, but that was just slashed down by this new information that I don't know is true, but everyone over here on this side, or a lot of people, we'll try and stay from the always and everyone and nevers, but a lot of people over there seem to believe that this is the reality. and that wasn't the reality I was presented with, but that's very interesting by contrast. So if you don't bother to look though, we'll see. And then I, I've been guilty of jumping all the way down the other side of the, you know, the rabbit hole on it and go on, this was information I never possessed. And then you jump <laughs> into the information and you're like, wow, this is the truth and the way and the reality, <laughs> right? This is, yeah. Where has it been? And then you live in it for a while and that's what it is. And then you kind of go, okay, doesn't, I mean, this doesn't fully offset my prior belief though. And I think there's still parts of this that are also true versus, you know, what was shown over here and then kind of settling into, you know, where you sit on that issue, um, which gets super interesting for a whole bunch of other reasons. But I kind of like when, I mean, part of me doesn't like it, like, cause it's difficult, but when people disagree with you, mm -hmm. it's like so easy when you're just like, getting along with people and it's like flowing and but when people start disagreeing with you it's really interesting it really like challenges you and like to to see are you going to get defensive are mm. you going to counterattack? are you going to listen and like be curious about why why does this person believe this like even even if it's so far out it's like to just be humble and like listen to this person and, and like and just ask like, oh, that's it. really interesting. So for instance, when, if you present a far out idea to somebody and they say, well, I don't believe that, that's crazy. And then 
or they could respond with like, hmm, that's interesting. Tell me more about that. Um, I don't know how I feel about that, but I'm, seems important to you. Let's talk about it. Like, imagine, like we don't have conversations like that no, typically. very rarely, right? So, because it's, it's like when you, when things start happening and challenge your belief systems, it can be very uncomfortable, right? And, and when you feel like, wow, I believe this my whole life, you know, I thought, you know, milk was good for me or I thought bananas were good for me or whatever. Things are always changing too, right? And that's important too to remember life, the, the only constant in life is change. So yeah, maybe, maybe it's like, the, sure, there's probably like these universal truths and you have to do your best to feel through experience what is real for you mm -hmm. in this culture, in your culture, but always remember that things are changing and you have to adapt um, because, you know, we're, we're moving and growing and creation is happening all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's that mindset piece and that mindset shift. Um, you know, I think everybody knows it to some degree, whether you're aware of what's my mindset right now, you know, am I open? Am I closed? Am I growth mindset? You know, am I fixed mindset? And I'm glad of all the things that happen in the education system, I'm glad that they do have some of those conversations around, you know, fixed mindset, growth mindset, and what does that look like and mean? Because I would argue there is the lion's share of kind of the population, whatever population you want it to be, Canada, the world, that operates from a very fixed mindset position. And it's, it's more of the exception than the rule that they would have the growth mindset kind of to the points you were talking about, about, okay, there's a difference of opinion here. How am I going to approach that, right? It's easy, easy, and I would say, you know, I know throughout my lifetime, um, in a lot of instances, you know, and just kind of, as I peer learning, I guess, maybe, just like, you know, you're in grade four, grade five, grade six, and it's kind of that pack mentality, right? The, to fit in to survive kind of piece. And then in high school, it gets a little bit more into like, I'm weird because, man. And you're like on this other plane where you find other people who are also weird because, man, you know, and these kind of pieces. But it's so much easier to live in a fixed mindset for your own, like, well-being than it is to be open to being, you know, either wrong or challenged, you know, or uncomfortable in that light, too. Um, and very easy to just jump into, like, this is my position and that's why. You know, and we're all guilty of it. I would say, I, I, even in my own life, if I could strive to live in a, you know, closer to 50-50, and I like to think I can probably be closer to like 70-30 in just my natural state of like learned being. I, I wasn't born that way, but in my current state, like I have a lot of fixed view viewpoints, you know, that I just are like anchors for me that I've either tested challenged on and I still believe and you won't change my mind like there's that I definitely have that like yeah and you need that you yeah. need some anchors so that you can keep moving forward and yeah. if you're too if you're just too always too open all the time then you're just going to be like a wave and and having or a turbulent wave is that life too <laughs> yeah I was gonna ask um yeah maybe do you have points in your life where Actually, before I say that, I was going to say, 
yeah, it's like there are no stupid questions. Like you ask one question in high school, and everyone's like, oh, oh what? You know, what kind of question is that? Like then you become that weird guy, right? Um, you know, like, oh, I'm just wondering. Like, has anyone ever asked that before or considered that? Like, and but yeah, is there any moments in your life that start made you start to question certain beliefs or like, and then turning points that you're like, you know what? I gotta I gotta take a different route now. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I can think of one in particular, um, and I don't, maybe it'll come to me, and at some point I'm sure I knew, but I don't know the uh, precipitating event that caused this, like, me to ask one of, like, the big questions, which was, you know, is this life real? What is this life? And I know, I know what it was that actually, like, where the precipitating moments came to be, um, and it was kind of a, a storm of them. But the two biggest pieces of that, one was I, in high school, I started, you know, I had some friends who didn't come from the neighborhood I grew up in. So I grew up definitely in the like upper, uh, upper middle class to lower, you know, upper class, uh, white suburban, you know, private schools, played all the hockey. Um, and these friends of mine were not. They were, whole family lives in an apartment above a store off of a Main Street strip. Right. And, you know, like, things are a lot different and a lot tighter. And meanwhile, I was totally, the even the circles, because I played sports, I played hockey, I played soccer growing up, and most of those people were also very similar to that. So I hadn't really had a lot of exposure to not that, right. you know, type of lifestyle. But then before I knew any of that about that person and who knows if that would have affected it or not, like I just liked that person and their viewpoints and their perspectives and you know, what was. And uh, there was just enough glaring contradictions to you know, my belief, the, the knowledge, the bubble that I was in and I was raised in and, in and I started questioning why was I in that bubble? And like, you know, then you start looking at, you know, for me, my parents and being their belief systems about some of the things and then seeing these people that I really thought were awesome and, and enjoyed and they were outside of that bubble. And I was going, these two things don't reconcile. And then all of a sudden I just, it was almost, you know, it's the, it's the red pill moment, folks, where you start looking around going, this, <laughs> this isn't, that's, that's not what I thought that was. And all of a sudden, you know, things just start to change from your viewpoint. And then um, the final precipitating moment there was my mother's father passed away. And when he died, I didn't have like a, uh, uh, one of my grandparents died moment. And I was kind of going, that's interesting because I've always been told that that would be the reaction that you should have. And Interesting. I, and I was like, just had to take a pause. And it was in the same time as some of these other pieces. And I was going, what is happening here? And so from that point in time, I kind of went into, I'm going to go explore this whole other world all on my own because I don't want input from anyone who's going to try and taint that experience and who's going to want to shift or change my perspective because I've already come to see that some of the perspectives that I've been raised into believing aren't real or are perceivably not all they were cracked up to be in that capacity. And so that, uh, and I had a bunch of good supporting characters around me at that time too, who were also 
you know, asking those questions and we're kind of on the fringe of things uh, where I'd always been, you know, captain of the team or one of the like included main athlete people. And all of a sudden I was more interested in what was happening outside of those circles. Uh, and it was quite interesting when I went down those journeys uh, with some of those people. So that was probably the first big like something's not right here. And uh, what is this world and reality and what more is there than what I've been told and is what I've been told even real. And I would say that if I was to wrap all that into one big bow, what I, what I did was definitely experienced, you know, I was living on the, the higher side of the high life and then uh, I have a pretty good rock bottom. So I learned a very big dynamic there, which is, you know, what I would say is, it wasn't that I was lied to in the moment I was being lied to as far as I was concerned at, you know, 1920 and it was all just a lie, but, uh, being able to look back, you know, even a decade on from that and make your thirties and then, you know, I'm 45 now decade on in my forties and look back at the experience as for what it was. It was definitely just understanding the broad scope of what exists in the world versus this is what it is. And that's all it is. And so I think that uh, that's really shaped, you know, my mindset in the opportunity. And, and again, I would say there's a lot of supporting characters in there too, who are very, um, we had a lot of great adventures in, exp in exploring the boundaries of where things uh, kind of lived. And so that shaped me in a way where now I, I love to take a look at what I think I'm looking at. And because I have such a dynamic view for so many different reasons, I can paint a fairly large picture of something and then start to kind of kick at the edges of it to see like, what is this that I'm dealing with actually? And, you know, whether it's, you know, this conversation we're having right now, or whether it's like <laughs> an opportunity to put my kid in like swimming lessons, just the ability to make decision to decide what is back to the very opening. Yeah, that's really that's really interesting when you think about when we grow up in elementary school, we're kind of in this bubble. We like go to school for say if we don't move, you know, 8 plus years in elementary school and then when we move to high school, you're now hanging out with people from different parts of the city. And that's like one of the first times that you're starting to be exposed to different people and different lifestyles and different stories. Unless, like, also if you played sports or went to summer camp, yeah. then maybe, and, and you have kids, like you said, if you put them in certain communities, then you get to experience different lifestyles. And then, so once you get to high school and then college, and yeah, and then even traveling, like, opens you up to those types of things. Like, it's interesting, yeah, if you reflect on your life, I remember being in Turkey and I was at, telling a guy what I did for a job I said oh we have dragon boat festivals here you know we have this big festival it's all for charity and and he was like oh wow and I'm like do you have dragon boat here and he wasn't from Turkey he was from somewhere in the Middle East uh, and where was he from Afghanistan or something I forget and he was like dude like we don't have charities here like people are starving here like and I was like wow, like, or, or when I'm working with adults with disabilities, I used to do that, and the government is, like, providing funding to pay me and to pay these families to get them more integrated in the community, but, like, lots of parts of the world don't have that, and so 
then you're you're meeting these people and you, you learn like wow like this person lost their mother like at a young age or their parents are divorced like my parents met each other when they were like eight years old and they're like still together and so you know I have that non-broken home in that sense and so I always love that quote like spend time with people who are much older than you spend time with people who are from a different country and their first language is different than you spend people who grew up in a different social class and it really gives you a a broad like you're saying and and then also like personally when you if you've been kind of like down here as a rebel and experience like you know that part of you and then when things are going well and then you kind of have this this spectrum that you can utilize moving forward um, versus if you're kind of just staying in the comfort zone the whole time and then you don't want to rock the boat because you've never felt that uncomfort and and you've also never felt like that high too of yeah I don't know if any of that makes sense but it's interesting like just exposure to so that you're open to all possibilities all of those pieces um, I like to think of it as a you know so I, I, one of my favorite ones back in the time was, you know, how big is your bubble? You know, when I'm talking to someone <laughs> in their perspective and just the ability to also Good understand question. the people you're dealing with and how big their bubble may or may not be. Now, uh, over time, I've kind of grown to when I visualize kind of maybe someone's, you know, I don't know if it's their brain entirely or like their, the essence of like their person then, whether it's, you know, uh, there can be layers. So we can be talking about your, your intellect or like your soul factor or all these different pieces. I don't picture it as like a perfect like bubble. I picture it as this like really continually moving kind of like, I'm gonna call it an amoeba, but it, for, for me, for some reason, it's always green and it has like maybe some spiky points at times, but it flows and it like, and this is just like your consciousness of your person. I'm sure once we get into, you know, Skynet taking over the world and AI and all those pieces, that's exactly what it'll look like on a digital spectral yeah. analyzer. But you need those different life experiences in order to be able to grow that, and I'll just keep, I'll call it a bubble for easy sake, so we don't have to say amoeba a whole bunch of times. <laughs> That's but a fun word. It is, it is but it, I know the amoeba is not quite for my <laughs> science class, not quite, you know, what I'm looking at here. But, um, so I, I agree, like, things like uh, the lows and the highs and even the travel parts, for sure, people who are older than you, people who come from the different social backgrounds, and when you said that, uh, you know, you're like, I think the guy might have been from Afghanistan, you know, I, I remember this guy that when we were living down and uh, so one of my good buddies who gave me the, uh, the dance floor is my gym shirt. He went to Ryerson and he was at, no, sorry, he went to George Brown College and he was going there for the art program, uh, very artistic, you know, visual arts uh, guy. And so we were living downtown Toronto at... Uh, Jarvis and Gerard at the Neil Weizak building down there. And so in the school time, it's basically a dorm for lots of things that happen down there. In the summer, they turn it into almost like, it's not a hostel, but like a transitory hotel. And so every summer that we were there, there'd be new people moving in. And one of the guys we met, uh, whose name just totally escaped me, but I can picture his face. He was from Afghanistan and he had just basically said, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go experience the world and just such a great positive attitude. It was wonderful because you got to understand 
A, you got to ask about, because maybe all I knew about that was anything that I was taught or anything I saw in the mainstream media. And back at this time, this would have been like 1998. Uh, so not far off of some of the wars and things that were over there. And my, my percep perception of that was totally shaped by mainstream media. To get to ask him what it was really like from his experience just offered such a dynamic difference. And at that time, it would have been you know, I would have questioned less in my lifetime as far as some of like global events because it, it didn't matter to me. I didn't care. I probably, I probably didn't vote at that time. Like I didn't care. What would I want to vote? What does it matter? I mean, living my own experience right now and all those things are what they are or they don't affect me or I don't believe they affect me. Well, it's one vote. So I would have questioned less, but then to have those conversations really started, you know, to add like, and you took it for value because this, this was this person's experience. So I would believe that person's experience of whatever it was shared. I don't know that I would have been in a place to like question them really, but right. just to offer the, the dynamic of, cause this is what they say over here is like, and this is what you're saying. And that's like mind bending on its own to me while you're trying to like fact gather or find your footing, I guess. Right. Um, so those experiences were pretty interesting. And then obviously when you're in the city, there's, it's the meeting place of people coming from so many different places and in that same kind of like age bracket too where everyone else is kind of coming down and finding their own way. And they could have been the weird kid in high school, but when you're down there, you might just be super cool because that person thinks this way. Whoa. Yeah. Never thought that way. Or groups of people that, who then you kind of put together that make your consciousness, right? Like, what is it like the top five people you spend your time with or something? Yeah. I, don't, I don't know all the, but it's just, it was such an interesting experience and very influential living in that building in that time with my buddy um, around what what is this world and what could it be? And, uh, and there, was a, there was a lot of fun that was had in there too. It was basically all, we were very hedonistic and primal in our, uh, in our learnings down there and fun factor and just the freedom of doing whatever we could. Right, living experiences, just saying yes. And there was no, just saying there because there was yeah. no one there to say no. It was as much as <laughs> yes as you wanted to get into, right? So which is very interesting too, because then leads you into all sorts of like different places where you get intertwined with, when you don't say no a lot, <laughs> there's certain paths that are very easy to kind of take and uh, just explore. And I would say at that point in time, it was, you know, whether the, whether I call it the bravery or courage to just go and experience or just total, you know, lack of inhibition that was being enjoyed after feeling like I'm just breaking out of this systemic oppression as an upper middle class white kid. <laughs> it, it just, it was very interesting to go chase that down and run across some other people who were in that, you know, uh, areas of life in Toronto at that time. Um, some who had some real problems and were running away from some real things versus I, I clearly wasn't, didn't have any real problems. It was all, that was all a farce, but the journey that I found myself in was very real and interesting. Um, yeah. It's the best when you, yeah, you can have a conversation with someone who's from the other side of the world, who has family there, who talks to their family on a regular basis, and you say, like, what's it really like there? And then if you could talk to a couple of people about that, you know, because the media is saying this, like, yeah, it's nice, uh, 
you know, you go on YouTube and you type in some of the African countries, it's like there's barely anything. Or like China, it's like very censored. Like what is happening there? Like, and yeah, so it's important to, to get as real of a story as you can from like a person who's from that country. And you, like you said, you have to, you have no reason to really question them. Like you have to just assume they're being honest. Like why would they lie, like, why would they lie about like say yeah why would they lie about their country like it's something that's obviously probably like the closest home for them right they're from there yeah and isn't that interesting too because you can only really take it for their perspective as well right so again right their you know, belief systems right what their belief system is and what they've been taught uh to understand and believe and um i just wanted to real quick touch on you know you mentioned like the personal experience versus like what the media is saying too right it's so interesting now that a lived personal experience, if in contrast with a, a mainstream media message is different, that your lived personal experience is nothing, right? It's gone. And I appreciate that there has to be, you know, a varying degree of, you know, the individual and, and what their perspective right. view is. But if you you knew somebody who you thought had it relatively together, was on point or within reason in their synopsis or their retell of, of what their lived experience was, and then it was in just such stark contrast with what was being said. And then to just watch people dismiss with the greatest of ease because, well, that's not what the mainstream media says. Therefore, can't be true. That's debunked, you know, <laughs> like and we're living through this age. And this is what I mean on the age of disinformation comment that I made before was. How is this even possible that the random words of someone totally disassociated from an experience or an event who may be funded by the very body that they're representing is the ultimate truth in the world. And so it just creates this, like, again, this like friction of like, what is, and then also asking now, who am I in this world then? If this is the generalized pushed narrative and my lived experience apparently means nothing in that narrative, like where, where are we? Who am I? What's happening? Yeah. And then this again, like you're almost back in this metamorphosis of what's what do, what's real and what do what do I believe? What do I do with that belief system? Right. The taking action part is very interesting. But yeah, I, I always liked when there was the big polarization, and then when you're spending time with people who kind of feel like the anomaly. And so, and then you have a bunch of anomalies like in a room together and you share like many things in common because you, you don't necessarily believe like what the rest of the group um, or your society is necessarily like the narrative, the main narrative. I, th I found it interesting when I was with those groups of people, we share this commonality, but when we would start talking about our own individual beliefs, that were really far out and we'd be like where'd you get that information from and they're like what podcast do you listen to they're like oh i didn't listen i didn't hear it on a podcast i just have my sources and you're like where, where is this are you downloading this like and you would you would just the i noticed the people in those groups would still be open to to hearing out these radical theories they weren't like getting in arguments like whereas i would get in more arguments with like people even people who like i said who were believing their belief system not saying it's wrong i'm just saying that's the which was the main narrative and so to be kind of like feel like you're in the 
the fringe call it or what if that's the correct word like the small um i just appreciated that at least no matter how radical something was like we were gonna hear it out and be like okay that's interesting tell us more like i was saying and then but versus the other side it was more difficult to um just have open conversations because i guess just when your belief systems aren't question enough in life it's just it's really rocky at the beginning it's really uncomfortable like and yeah just like a a side story like i wanted to mention this because i think it's really relatable in life like yesterday i went on stage and played guitar and like this is somewhat new for me doing the performing and when you're up there singing playing guitar trying to remember the lyrics make sure you're not too stiff you're like entertaining you're smiling at people you know make sure you're playing the chords right uh make sure your singing voice is sounding good you're making sure you're breathing there's so much happening and it's when you're new to this like you kind of feel like you're walking on a balance beam mm -hmm. and you just at every year it's just because you're not really solidified yet you haven't had reached that experience so at the beginning it's like it's like you're you're on a sailboat and it's just like these rocky waves and and you got to just keep moving forward and i think like putting yourself in those experiences where like there's a lot going on and we were saying earlier that's why you have someone just singing someone just playing guitar it's a little uh easier and um, but forcing yourself to do those types of things like gets you more prepared for when someone does question your beliefs and when you are in communities where something radical is happening and to not just like fight or flight right and you're like okay like let's breathe here like it's it's not that bad um yeah i don't know if you have any relatable stories about like situations where you felt like really uncomfortable and you're like i'm gonna play this out because this is maybe a community i'm interested in or like there's growth opportunity here. Well, I think I'm a fairly agile and adaptable person. So there aren't too many situations I find myself in where I'm uncomfortable. I'm pretty, pretty good at being able to make sense of wherever I am and then finding my spot in that, whatever it may be. Um, and how I can show up or how I can contribute. Um, Where did that come from? Like, just because well, I noticed that at the sandbox, right? That's why, like, you're you fit in really well here. Like, there, you meet a lot of people at this place. You're a people person, or you become a people person, and you like adapting and learning people's stories. So, like, you're good. All the staff here, they all share that trait. They're Listen, some are better than others, okay? <laughs> yeah, it's, um, well, it actually is a nice little uh, carry-on from what I was talking about before where I was in the city with my one, uh, with my one buddy, Rob. Um, so we had come from a high school experience where he was always kind of abstract artist and not quite Van Gogh cutting off my ear, crazy level um, or, or, you know, commitment level, but damn close to it, right? And uh, yeah, the way he and I connected was, <laughs> he had a girlfriend at the time, and I guess that girlfriend was kind of on the way out of that relationship, and it started looking around, and I was maybe one of the guys that she had found in the midst of her looking around, and then uh, because we were in the same high school, 
which is, and this is a great story because it actually ties into my current better half too, um, <laughs> who I was dating at the time. And then this girl in question, uh, actually this is a great tie in because this <laughs> event was at the time where my mom's dad had died. So he had died and let's say it was on like a Wednesday. And so my mom was like, we got to go up to, you know, he lived in Huntsville at the time. We got to go up there and do the thing. And I was like, I'm not going. There was a big, you know, conflict and it was, uh, our school's winter semi-formal. And so I actually went to that winter semi-formal with Susan, who I'm currently, or, you know, for all intent, in uh, all purposes, you know, we're married at this point in time. But at that dance, that was part of the unraveling of our relationship because this girl that Rob and I were now connected through, she grabbed my hand, brought me into the like the dance off challenge. And I mean, I'm a pretty good dancer too, not gonna lie. And so we got in, we were, there was two couples left in the dance off challenge. It was me and this girl who I didn't go there with, <laughs> who I had had a brief stint with just previously prior to my relationship back then with Susan at the time and uh, you know another couple and so you could see the disapproving eyes of everybody because they knew I was there with you know the other girl who was had gone to the washroom or something I don't know or maybe I think she might have ran off when she saw Christina grab me and pull me into the circle and she went to the washroom and then they all went to console her and the rest of them just sat there and shot daggers I was just having a great old time on the dance floor we were going to win this thing Anyway, Rob and I end up connecting because uh, he starts to realize there's something going on with this girl. And then we were both in the same place, same time. And we both knew, you know, what was up. But where we took it was the whole, like, just, it was out there, man. We were probably smoking a lot of weed and we were like decompressing and we got into this just this like the truth is more interesting than the issue at hand right now and so we just like laid all the truth bare as to what everything happened and how things were and then you know his feelings around what was happening my feelings around what was happening our feelings around the universe on the whole and how things kind of go and from that moment we were just kind of like connected right kindred spirit and then we started to you know go off in this own adventure and at that time he had just started raving in downtown Toronto and he was telling me all about these amazing experiences and these open people and while there may be have you know been some fuel added to those experiences that uh, kind of helped with the uh, feelings of euphoria and openness it truly was and so we went off on this adventure where he was going down to go to George Brown College and he had a place to live and so he and I I just piggybacked along basically and we lived in and I know the, the camera won't quite capture this, but for your purposes, basically from the edge of this wall where I am, maybe to where the desk is, and then back to the glass. We lived, the two of us lived in it, actually it was smaller than that. We lived in this like tiny dorm room <laughs> within that close proximity to each other the entire time. And like, so intimacy, he, that's oh, bonding. It was totally, right? Yeah. And so he was going to school. He also had a job down there. I was purveying other things at nightclubs at that time. Um, and so we were just spending all of our time, like basically what is the world? There was a lot of weed being smoked. We also used to smoke darts back then too. So there's a lot of cigarettes and weed and like, and then we were just collecting all these new and interesting people and new and interesting experiences. And then as we went out to all these, you know, and at that time, like that, the rave scene was very big. Like there was, 
you know, a 3,000 person party was small, like a 20,000, 25,000 person party was like big. Think about the number of people that were there. And for the majority too, it was all, you know, there's a lot that can be said about it, but the overwhelming interest and vibe of everyone was the fact that it, you could really just be like laid bare for your own ways of getting to laid bare and like open, full open. Everyone was your best friend in person and in varying degrees of reason and rationality for the most part. I mean, not everyone's experience was that, but for the large part, you could count on that, like at least non-dismissive tone or that not fixed mindset where they could like at least, if they didn't even like enjoy that part, they could understand why that's great, man. That's yeah. cool. You can go and like, but do your all, thing. Yeah, totally. Right. You do your thing. Oh, you look like you're having a great time. That's awesome. You know, like, yeah, enjoy. Right. And just make sure like that was the intent was to make sure everyone's enjoying whatever their capacity was. And it wasn't about your enjoyment is ruining my enjoyment kind of piece. It was like the collective. And then, you know, you just start to grow the groups and crowds of people as you meet someone who's like, oh, I'm here with my like 32 friends from Guelph. I'm here with 15 people from Barry. I'm here with, you know, and then you get to know people, then you get to know the whole people. And then you guys go into this, yeah, we're going. And then you just like, you create this collective um, where everyone was trying to figure it out but everyone was open to the fact that everyone was trying to figure it out. And we were collectively sharing, you know, ad nauseum what our feelings and thoughts and like how they were. And, and sure, there's still the humanity and the dynamic in there, but in relation to your question of like, how do you do that? It's because it was just such a diverse collection of people in different places in their lives. And just to see there was a lot of great overlap in some of the interest of those people, or at least like the heart of those people what they would love to have um, and experience and be a part of and grow and foster either in themselves or in other people. Uh, it definitely gives a good, A, like sense of self and, and comfort and ability in a room to just know that, hey, I've been in weirder rooms than this, or I've you know experienced things in different ways than this, or I can see how these people kind of relate in uh, different capacities of things, or, or even better, here's what I could bring to this group of people who I don't think has this experience or this mentality at this time. What can I also bring versus how do I just assimilate, right? And so um, in my, probably in the last five years or so, I think I've kind of come around um, to this notion of just when possible, because I mean, we all have so much capacity in our mental, emotional, physical states, you know, but where possible, to create moments of belonging, whatever that may look like for somebody. So if you can see that someone's not, either doesn't have that, doesn't have the belief that that's something that they can have or hasn't experienced that, try, try and create those types of experiences. And it doesn't have to be a full involved, you know, like it can be something simple as just like rec recognition, like that's at the core, right? Just recognizing, I, I see you, mm -hmm. I see you, you, if you really need, you have me, okay? And because I know all of these people because that's the experience I've shared with them all, now you're also connected in that way. You just, I'm gonna allow you to find that for yourself. And if I see that you're not finding that for yourself, I'll look to try and find that for you or with you, right? And create that experience for you. Because at the core, I think everybody would really love to have, you know, a connection with people and then be recognized, you know, just as I exist, I have value of some degree. And often it can be hard to find what that value may be when there's such a diverse set of values and beliefs. Um, the ability to navigate that really kind of came from this experience of you know being laid bare and just seeing 
the way people are and how they interact. You know, I got a lot of good modeling to kind of reflect on and employ, really. Wow, there's, <laughs> I love what you said about, yeah, do I need to assimilate or is there something here that I can contribute to? It's like reading the room when you're in a social situation and, you know, adapting and then figuring out like, oh, like what are these people's experiences? Like um, most of these people are been in this town like most of their life. They probably appreciate like the fact that I've traveled a lot. They might want to hear some travel stories, right? They probably never left their city. So like that's a great question to ask yourself like in life, like how can, what can you bring to the table and, and what can you contribute? Or is it moments where you do just assimilate and you're a listener and you're an observer and you're, and you're learning like, and I, I love that. That's a, a great uh, space to be in. And back to the, what's the word? Amoeba? Is that the, the amoeba. I, the amoeba. Yes. So like, when you see somebody, like unless, you know, you've done enough spiritual work or whatever you want to call it, and like you can see people's auras and like it's like when you look at someone typically, like you just see this meat skeleton, right? And like you don't know their story at all, but like that's kinda what we see. But like imagine you could kind of see what you're describing, like all of their experiences like in an energetic form or like whatever that would look like. And so you would come across, you'd be like, wow, that guy's been to a lot of countries or like that guy's got, or that girl's got a story. Like um, it's kind of neat in life that we, we uh, I guess we do when we don't have that. Typically it's like you have to um, ask questions and you have to build relationships with people and to dive deep and, and start learning and doing your bonding like you're doing with your friend when you found that connection and just like exploded because you were on the same wavelength and, and you were open to it, both of you. And, um, but I think that would be neat, yeah, to, if there's some sense of like, I mean, it, it's kind of like if you go on someone's Instagram page, it's like you, you got uh, more of their their vibe versus mm -hmm. if you just saw one picture of them or you met them at like a networking event it's like you know we've you know you said you're 45 it's like that's a it's a lot of minutes on wherever we are <laughs> yeah wherever we are yeah I, I think that um one of the things that's helpful and one of the things that's not hard for me to do in that moment too is to really kind of deconstruct the notion of hierarchy within the community that you're in. We're all people, you know, and when I try and share some of these things with, you know, even my kids or someone like that, it's interesting because there does need to be structure and there does need to be some level of hierarchy at some degree, but right. in a social environment and setting, you know, Someone who is maybe, and I'll use the business sense because we're in the in the sandbox. Someone who's maybe a CEO uh, and runs an organization and maybe you know employs a hundred people, for instance. I don't do that. I work at a not-for-profit, and I'm not a CEO who employs a hundred people and does all these things. And you know, there's a level of achievement there that is recognizable for sure. Right. But it doesn't mean I'm now instantly less than or subservient to the other people. Um, which I know is something really hard for a lot of people to wrap their head around, right? Like, oh, oh, I'm just 
well, I'm just this, I'm just right. that. I'm not a big fan of the word just, just in that. If someone says to me, and I recognize this because I've said it in my own, like I've looked back at the way I've acted and when I've said just this to recognize the shortcoming that's already there from using the word. It's just that, there's so much more that goes there. But specifically in the, uh, if you were talking about yourself, like I'm just this. Well, that may be true in a certain re frame of reference, but in a different frame of reference, totally not true. Let's imagine that I'm a CEO, but now if I get on a dragon boat <laughs> and I am absolute track. garbage, <laughs> I am a garbage rower on a dragon boat and I do not bring a lot of value for the technical piece, for maybe the spirit piece, then I might, and I, maybe I don't, because maybe I'm sucking and I'm a person who, when I suck at something, I get meh, I'm not happy. Right. So are you of value in that scenario? No. What if you also had children, but you weren't a great parent for whatever reason? Or what if, yeah, you may run this organization, but you are a bad boss. When we deconstruct that person's, you know, hierarchical place that you're putting into, into, in line of your own mind, they're just a person. So how you choose to interact with them, and I'm sure, you know, I, I know I don't need to tell you this, but the whole reflection piece. Um, what they actually, how they choose to interact back to you is, is not you, that's them, right? That's, that's them. So if they wanna, ah, you're not worth my time or ah, whatever, that's, that's not you, that's them. And so the sooner someone can like understand at a core level that we're all just people and how people choose to interact with you, assuming you're interacting in you know, a relatively social appropriate manner for whatever that is, then the more freedom you will have to stand in a room and just be able to be you know, good with yourself standing in the room, right? Otherwise you're just reflecting all of your own negative potential out or you're bringing the positive. You're recognizing what are things I can contribute to this, right? So even when you mentioned earlier, you know, there I was in Turkey, instantly I was like, ah, oh, Turkey. <laughs> I've never been across, like I've been into the United States and some of the Caribbean. I've never been to Europe. And so instantly I'd be like, Turkey, yeah, tell me more. Yeah, you get excited. Yeah. I love doing these podcasts because it, even though we started off with like, it, it, we just got rolling, which, which was like great. Normally I'm like, all right, welcome to the show. But I was like, you know what? Let's just, let's just go off this bird thing. Caca. <laughs> 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 yeah. And, uh, and um, but yeah, I've noticed that like when, when I do these podcasts, it usually takes like about half hour to like this flow takes place. Mm -hmm. And when we, uh, we kind of enter into each other's uh, dialogue and energy. And so it's kind of, it's really neat. And you were talking about when you were living in that small dorm and like how much growth came from that, because how much bonding you were doing with someone who you were just on the same page with. And I went out with some friends the other night and we just, we went to a comedy show and then like, you know, it's like 10 o'clock normally. We're like, and then like some of them had kids and they had a babysitter, but it's like, do you guys want to go out? Like, keep the night rolling a little bit? Like, you know, and it's like, well, might as well. It's Friday night. And so we ended, ended up just going to a restaurant and there's six of us and we're all like, you know, got to sit in the booth. The booth is where it's at. And I notice it's like when you're that tight with people and like there, you know, there's some cushioning. It's like, you're almost like in a cradle. Like, uh, like I might be overthinking this, but there's something intimate about like, I mean, you could say you're in each other's energy field. Like, I don't know enough about that, but it's, it's just, it's cozy. It's like you're, it's intimate. Let's keep it simple like that. And I, 
the it was the right people and just had great conversations and it was just flowing um you know versus say you sit in the middle of the restaurant and it's just like there's more distractions maybe that's it like when you're in a booth like you're not there aren't people walking by as much but you're if they're in the middle of the restaurant there's more tvs say and there's stuff happening so people are just like when we're doing the podcast like there's i love that that uninterrupted flow um because when you are at a restaurant sometimes the often the waiter will come and say, oh, just check in on you. And then there's a little disruption, right? Uh, especially if you're in the middle of a story, right? And you're like, and then I was about to jump off the cliff. They're like, hey, how's everybody doing here? You need another drink? And you're like, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, uh, what, what else are we talking about? The, uh, you're talking about being on the dragon boat, like, you know, I'm just this, right? I, I find that even when you say, oh, I'll just have a water. <laughs> It's like as if water is a bad thing. Totally. Like, it's defeatist in some capacity. Defeatist, right? yeah. <laughs> I'll just have a water. But you're right. If I'm just a dragon boat coach, let's go with that. And it's like, but you're right. Like, Or I'm just, uh, you know, I volunteer to coach hockey, right? But when you're that coach in that space, like those people look up to you and like you can be whoever you want to be. And yeah, I, I, I love like when you were getting excited there about like when I said turkey, you're like, tell me more. And it's, it's really nice when you meet people who are super curious and they're like just asking questions and they're like want the details and I, I think we could at least in this part of the world like I'm sure it's different everywhere you go like I think we could cultivate more of that more curiosity of like um, and trying to be less rigid and yeah, tell me the details. How did it make you feel? What, what did you see? Like the senses, what did it smell like? Like, take, take, paint a picture, take me there. Um, especially if it's a, snor a story, yeah. There's a level of, um, you know, ability to paint pictures for people too, right? And I think that um, not everyone can do it not everyone has the ability to kind of like pull someone into a space. And I mean, it's helpful if you have somebody who's, um, you know, interested or curious to your yeah, point, it's much easier yeah. to paint a picture for a curious person. It's much easier to kind of compel somebody. Um, I think I just want to touch on the, the booth analogy, um, <laughs> because you're already to a degree surrendering something that you don't freely usually give which is your personal space, right? You're, you're now, that barrier is already broken. If you and I are sitting across a table, we still have a, a, a personal space barrier right. that's kind of built in where we have, you know, intrinsically our mind knows this is, but when you're sitting next, like you just have to already achieve a specific comfortability level or state of surrender to some degree that this is a reality and you're okay with it. Right, right? yeah, like that's, surrender. Yeah. That's what it is, right? So there's a specific degree of that goes on. I would say also just in, kind of going back to the notion of the the room that we were in in our little like shoebox uh, down at uh, the Neil Weisig building in Ryerson that what was interesting and I would say what was also very helpful is we while we could find alignment it never really came from a place of ultimate alignment because my friend was extremely curious and was kicking more holes into things than you know I would where I think the value I had was a to be open enough to go there and then to actually put some thought into it to come back with a response of some nature or frame it in a context that would be complementary or sometimes you know different then but it was the ability to just have that like 
the random thought and just kick it down the road to like land wherever we land. But then if it wasn't in the same place, it would be like, I see what you're saying there, man. You know, that's cool. And over here, he'd be like, yeah, I can totally see how that perspective's there too, but I'm just, I can't quite reconcile this piece of it. But then we'd both be like, the vibe was like, we do the it nodding, still the frequency <laughs> was there, right? So you're like, yeah, yeah, right? That's important too, because if it was too, if you were both like too radical and too radical people, then like the ear might get chopped off. Like The, the ear could have got chopped off for yeah. sure. Like and so there were sort of moments where, you know, not quite to the, the you know, physical harm realm of it, but uh, <laughs> certainly we were willing to push the boundaries of all sorts of things because you knew that you had, you know, someone there along the journey with you. Um, so, I mean, that's to have people like that in your life is, is going to be transformational in some capacity. And I've had a few of them over the course of my life. Um, I would say, you know, you find them in, in the most random of places in the random scenarios I've had more than one occasion in my life and people that I can just kind of flash through my mind who have had an impact in varying ways at varying times of my life, um, where a lot of them started from like points of contention or, or uh, conflict where when you were willing to kind of work through the conflict or you didn't have an option, but to work through the conflict that you instantly have to create a very real um, shared perspective in order to move forward with the conflict. So we have to agree on some things like where we are, what I've done, what you've done, what needs to be done, how we can get there. How is it that you want to see it? How is it that I can do it? And like, you have to work through all these pieces to like move forward with the person um, where there's a, a lot of opportunity where you wouldn't need to do that. Right. You just be like, I'm out of here or that's the way you feel. I'm out of here. Right. Or the thing's not going right. to work. If you can't, if fighting is like too dangerous and f you can't flight, then yeah. you have to uh, compromise and, and, and be bare, like you're saying and share. And yeah. Yeah. I've had no shortage of, you know, individuals who I can think of that, uh, whether it was my personal or professional life started with some, you know, negative, uh, potential. It got to the point actually in one of my jobs, I, they used to send me to those people because I was just so good at navigating that conflict. Uh, they would put me in the people who we had direct conflict with or the business organization did because they knew I'd be like, that's just the conflict whoa, man. Re resolver. That's yeah. Let's re resolve that. And so, I mean, <clears throat> in certain areas of my life, um, I will argue a thing to death. I will just keep going at my viewpoint, whether it's fixed or whether it's, I just believe that, you know, your viewpoint is too fixed or I'm fixed on your fixed viewpoint. And I don't know I'm right or wrong in that scenario, but there are things that I will argue to the nth degree and, or my mind will not be changed or shifted on. And then there are others that it takes much longer, but will shift the way that I do what I do and, and, uh, my own, you know, belief structure or my ability to show up and be right. So this is the notion of always learning. Um, and in my professional career here, specifically at the sandbox, you know, there's been a lot of opportunity for that kind of piece too. And I would say, one of the things that was really apparent to me was this notion of like being curious. Like I wasn't necessarily outwardly curious as far as like, I'm going to be curious and ask a question as much as I was just interested in like connecting. So that was through asking question versus me just saying all the words, which I'm, I can often do as well. Um, 
the, yeah, that notion of like, if you can catch yourself in a fixed mindset to kind of be curious or have that growth mindset where maybe I am wrong, maybe I, you know, I want to test these, you know, boundaries, or maybe there's something more for me here or something more that I can learn or bring through, you know, just being curious, right? Because without that, then yeah, how are you, how will anything ever change? And I think I can recognize people, you know, across my lifetime where they are what they are, what they are, and um, things never change for them. So everything was always kind of the same. It was the same group of friends and the same kind of thing. Change would always be bad. I don't want to flex too much out of, you know, the comfort zone that I've lived in. Don't want to ask too many questions. Just going to go along with the things. And it's just easier that way. Um, to the point now where at, you know, 45, I kind of, I would have told you in my 20s and 30s that I had a really good grasp on kind of our region, our area. And, you know, to me that would have flexed into like, you know, northern Buffalo area and New York through all of Southern Ontario, right through to like Gravenhurst, Huntsville. I had a lot of experience with a lot of people in that zone. So I knew that really, really well. Like I knew what was going on in the pulse of like how the people were, how to interact, what to be, what to do in the realms that I was playing in. Not everything, but in the realms that I was in, the realms, my realms of expertise, where at this point at 45, you know, with a bunch of teenage kids just starting to wonder like, I don't have that connection anymore. And I'm almost at that stage where I don't know if I'm in a fixed mindset of, I don't want things to change so much anymore, or just I've come to terms of, I know what I know and I know where my value may lay. And I'm, I'm always, you know, learning more. I'm still not just staying stagnant, but just at the point where it's like, and it's not just, you're not cool anymore, man. <laughs> you know, yeah, I look at the 20 year old and the 22 year olds. And I remember what I was at that age and like, I'm not that. And I'm not in that level of discovery of what is or what isn't at this point. And then to try and have conversation. And again, you know, three teenage kids are probably about a decade away from that 23, 24, 25 coolness. But I don't know that I'd know anymore. You yeah. know, and now the questioning of, huh, like, where is my value? And now yeah. is my value pool shrinking? Do I have because, to change again? <laughs> or even if I did, like, would it be of value to some of the other things that are happening? And could I reconcile any differences in between some of maybe the belief systems and what is? And uh, there's a bunch of them out there right now that I'm definitely, I'm just like, I'm, I tried it on, I tried it. I, I was, I was willing to like be open and be curious, but then I just, I can't reconcile a lot of what's happening and uh, I won't, I'm just, I'm out on that. I'm out on that. So, you know, what is that? Yeah. That's really interesting about when you're getting older and like when you're young and you're like, okay, I'm going to flex and I'm going to really open up my mind and experience and find these universal truths that really work for me and my family and my zone and still remaining open-minded but then when like newer generations come up and again everything's changing all the time how do you flex to that and then like constantly trying to fit in and yeah that's interesting to what do you do yeah i think you just I think that that must be like I, yeah. As you do get older, like you do, you have to find some sort of solidity, solidified. That's not a word. Solidified, yeah. Solidified, yeah. Um, and like because you're. I mean, I'm trying to think like a metaphor, like a tree, for instance, like or 
something that as it's growing, as it's getting towards the end of it's not that you're getting towards the end of your life, but like I, but you never know, you never know, right? Um, you are like, it is important to have these anchors and these, um, well built experiences. Yeah. I'm going to leave you with one. <clears throat> so I was having this conversation about kind of the, the anchors and the well built experiences in a very abstract way, just, uh, uh, last Friday in a happenstance conversation, you know, someone I was at, uh, I was at a multi-day event with, you know, and I kind of know them at an arm's length, but, uh, they were just hanging out in a lounge, not dissimilar to what, you know, you're kind of doing right now. And I was, you know, I needed to do some things for a few minutes too. And I thought, well, I'll just, I'll go do, instead of just sitting across the room and like not engaging that person, you know, just being like, you know, right. we're not engaged. <laughs> came and sat in and you know, hey, da, 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 da. and then I don't even know how we fully ended up on this conversation. But then this other person who also was in the same kind of realm was just trying to like kill some time or waiting to do a thing. And like, we were also in the conference. And so they kind of came up cause we had that, you know, piece, but it was about printed photos versus digital photos and the experience of being able to look back on memories. And, uh, the gentleman I was speaking with was saying, you know, anecdotally some, um, I lost the word there. Look at that. I'm old. Uh, some study that was done that inferred that by looking back at old photos and memories, it anchors part of your existence and your being. And it also triggers, you know, the notion of reminiscing and like bringing back the thoughts, the feelings, you know, maybe the smell the whatever it was. And like all of the open neural pathways that fire when you can look back at those things and how at this point, like, he was saying that he is basically the owner of all the photos because they're all digital and they're all on his hard drive and no one else ever looks at them. He says, I get to look at them every now and again because I go through them and I just like, I kind of stumble upon it and I go down my own rabbit hole like I was scrolling on some other thing, but it's on my own hard drive, but no one else in the family gets to see them. And so he was saying, you know, we used to have like, I prefer the printed photos, right? And then I said, uh, it's interesting that we have a couple of family albums you know, from when the kids were a little bit younger and the youngest one will now and again want to pull them out and start flipping through those photos just to kind of, she also came like we're a blended family now. So they both have, she has a more fragmented, like formal home life. You know, I've probably always been like the main anchor to that, um, which is something, you know, that I have a, a personal point of pride in and a thing that's a whole other world. But she looks back at those photos to remember times that maybe, you know, when she needs to feel an experience or like an anchoring or that reminiscing factor, um, and those generally don't exist too much anymore. Uh, so, I mean, that was, that was an interesting experience as far as, you know, what you can look back on, because I also have a ton of those photos too. And they're, you know, from the eighties and nineties, they're in old like shoe boxes and like some photo albums and stuff, but those ones are kind of tucked away. Um, I can even see a few photos right now as we're talking from the time frame that we're talking to, that I was talking about downtown. Uh, we used to take a ton of photos because my buddy Rob was also in the, uh, like we had access to the photo booth. So like we're, you know, experimenting with different photo techniques and actually using, you know, um, a dark room and like developing stuff. And so I do think it's important that, uh, to remember a lot of your own story, where you came from and where you're going specific to this notion of like, I remember when I was that age, I remember when I was 22, <laughs> you know, and, and where people were and where they were at and uh, where you've come from even to understand, you know, where, you know, the value you can have to bring and some experiences you have to tell. 
um, in, in your current experience and like what, what you bring to the table when you're having a, if you're in a room and you're trying to network, like where's your anchoring so that you can stand there and also vibrate at the right frequency that other people are going to be like, Ugh. they're going to kind of like, maybe they'll catch an eye and they catch another and then maybe they'll be like, they feel that energy field. And this is also a whole other subject matter. Right. Will they this, say hi to you? I've had this happen to me yeah. on multiple occasions where whatever the frequency that I was putting out and there were people who were in tune or in, interested in it, just like intrigued, just to come up and, you know, for no other reason than that, that would have been the only thing they were like, I'm interested in hearing more about you or learning more or, or I'm curious or something struck in me. Um, so just finding that your footing to where you stand from and what value you know you have to offer and then not just discounting it because it was just this, it was just that. Because often whether or not you're bringing value, there's also the opportunity where certain people will understand the value they can impart on you as well. Right. Oh, I'm the kind of a conversation with someone where I, maybe I have a different viewpoint that they may not have considered at this stage. And generally, we like to think of those things as, you know, generational. You know, the 40 year old can teach the 15 year old because the 40 year old's already been there. Right. But there's also the opportunity. The 15 year old can teach the 40 year old, too. So just that open mindset versus that fixed mindset piece and uh, knowing that you do have value. Right. And that's that moments of belonging piece is you have value. Whether you can't see it right now and you need help bring it to the forefront, I think that's part of what's most interesting to me. Beautiful. Like remembering who you are, remembering where you've been. And I have a little folder on my laptop somewhere in my pictures and it says like box of hope or something. <laughs> yeah. And basically I put photos of like even screenshots of messages people have sent me in times of my life that like one time someone sent me a message before I went on my Europe trip. She's like, and she had done a Europe trip. And she said, you're going to come back a changed man. And I was like, like reading that before you go and then reading it again after you've changed. It's like, it's important to go back and look at those scrapbooks and, and remember like all the minutes you spent here and uh, all your cheerleading moments and your accomplishments that have made you who you are and what you can offer so beautifully said yeah as it turns out actually um we got into the notion of why don't you just upload that onto a digital you know photo frame so that the photos can scroll for everybody but then and this blew my mind the gentleman who had entered the conversation last said did you know that my better half actually has photo digital photo frames in our kids houses who don't live with us and we can actually upload photos through the internet to them <laughs> so we can change the imagery that comes up so if i do find a photo of them when they were like a baby or whatever i can just send it to their photo frame and then their photo frame will either i, I assume you can just set it to like that's the photo or on the scrolling like you can just upload stuff to it yeah. right so i was like that's ingenious so they wake up and, and they had a rough new... day and they walk into their kitchen and they're like whoa ding ding and new they're content like, right yeah. kind of uploaded that can be that historical context so Anyway, technology for the win on helping you to do the reminisce on that one. But uh, it was just interesting to see that at the core of that conversation, everybody agreed, you know, the anchoring moments of, you know, where you've been and, and the importance of those pieces too, right? So don't forget to take photos as well as you're going through life and capture those moments, whatever that may be, screenshot, you know, kind word, any piece, or uh, maybe come on the podcast. Yeah, beautiful. I, 
I think just last thing I want to say is exactly what you're talking about, about making sure you're taking photos because I stopped taking photos like for a while because you know you want to, sometimes you want to remember it a certain way and just yeah. your imagination. And I recently did that music circle and like I was just so in the moment there and I'm glad people took videos and my mom took some great videos and I couldn't stop watching them the next couple of days. Uh, and it's part of the adventure. It's part of the story, like living the in the moment and then afterwards reliving by watching the, the stories, the videos, the photos, sharing to other people, wow, look at his face. Wow, look what he did there. And telling the story is part of the adventure. And so, yeah, I, I couldn't believe, like I couldn't stop watching them. And then I was like, that was one of the best nights of my life. Like, you know, it's great when you can have those moments and you can say that. So. Great advice to keep taking photos Listen, and, and only, sharing the photos. We only know about Jesus because so many made a lot of copies. <laughs> so if there was no copy made, did yeah. it really happen? Yeah. Yeah, we want to leave it on that. There and we go. Yeah, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing about Jesse's favorite life. Um, Maybe we can do a, a second episode. And uh, I know you've got a very uh, almost like watery, funny side. You're very flowing, too. So I'd love to hear some more uh, funny stories. And uh, yeah, that was a beautiful podcast. Well, so. there's no shortage of directions we could go into. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I appreciate you having me. And that uh, is definitely a faction of my favorite life. There are so many more pieces out there. but. Uh, appreciate uh, getting the time to do this with you as well yeah do you like to read not really no where do you get all this just from yeah that's interesting some people read they get their information and new beliefs and then I think from your experiences of meeting all those people that's I think for me too is like doing this podcast and just socializing that's where I I'm shaped mm -hmm. and, and I do like to read too I um, but I do like to be social and listen to people's stories and it's always interesting when I do some reading because because it's so f you know few and far between that like some of it is definitely more impactful than others. So like I read uh, I was given recently a book actually that I read which has kind of spun me on a whole new direction of things too. So it's almost like careful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> careful I'm with careful, what you take in here. Because, careful, I'm forty five. Like, <laughs> who knows where we're going now? So uh, yeah, but I mean the for me I have. A relatively good memory when it comes into like conversational like triggers and remembering the words that people have said and shared yeah um, me too yeah. yeah more so than I'm not really good at retelling the accurate story as much as kind of the Maya Angelou of it all right the how they made you feel versus you know what it was that was said or that's terrible I butchered that quote but anyway the point is it's how you felt about the scenario and that energy that kind of comes forward that is definitely easier for me to like draw upon. And then in that moment, I can usually pull a conversational clip out to be like, Jeff said this specifically or something damn close to that doesn't matter yeah. when we tell the story. I feel but like I can still transmit the, the feeling back out, right? Yeah, I'll let, I'll let you go in, in a second. And I, I totally agree. It's, uh, it's like when I went to a um, a powwow this summer in Manitoulin Island last summer and it's one of like the biggest powwows in Ontario on like a First Nation part of Manitoulin and or reserve and 
I think I was uh, I was very in the moment, and I guess I was a little tired from the day before of the long six-hour drive, but trying to really take in this really beautiful um, yeah. celebration on that land with those people, and then you know, just the other day, so seven seven months goes by, and somebody was asking me like, "Wow, you went to a powwow?" And this person was really curious, and they'd been to Manitoula, and they said like, "What was it like? Like, um, what was happening there? Like, who was there? Like, what was it fun?" And she was asking me all these questions, and. And it was actually kind of difficult for me to to describe all of it, um, and it, it made me reflect on uh, how present I was, maybe, or just like how much I was p really paying attention. And like you said, it's not it's not always easy to like retell the story and paint a picture for people. That takes practice, or just the type of person you are. And it does help when people are asking those questions. But it made me realize I was like, wow, it's like kind of difficult for me to put that into words and sure some experiences can't always be put into words but it made me think like was I not paying attention enough when I was there like maybe I was in my head a lot or something and so it's kind of neat that uh, when people like whether you're or, or taking pictures I didn't take any pictures when I was there like maybe that's the thing <laughs> it is true there's a balance that has to be struck there as far as um, you know being in the moment and and whatnot I find that uh, since I walked away from the majority of social medias uh, a couple of years ago that the intent behind the need for the picture is also somewhat gone uh, or in other moments where, you know, I, it's either because I know it's going to be a shared experience thing that I can, I can do with uh, specific groups of people where it's of value. Um, I'll, I'll look to, to do that. And it's usually once we've gone into the absurd, I'm more interested in taking the, the photo or the video at that point in time than uh, just right. kind of the, you know, the staged maybe, you know, yay photo. Uh, always down to participate, though. I can tell you the girls take no shortage of video of me around here, and I have no idea what it is or where it goes, but it's out there. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice when other people are taking the photos. And, and then if you can't remember the experience, just talk to the people who you shared the experience with, and the photos will come back. Absolutely. And... And I would, last thing I'll say is, like your friend that you were in the dorm with. Yep, Rob. When you meet people in life that you do gel with, and or there was something different about that connection, there was something flowing, and maybe you haven't spent enough time with them. Like reach out to them, like have a tea with them, like learn as much as you can about that person, share with that person, go on adventures with that person, because there's something um, that you have that's special and. Uh, to recognize that um, can be really powerful and a lot of growth can come from it. So, absolutely. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I know. <laughs> Appreciate that. Yeah, cheers. <laughs> we should have done that. <laughs> all right. Good job making it all the way to the end. Feels good to complete things in life, right? Hopefully, you learned something new. And for more information on living, your favorite life head over to yourfavoritelife.com for different personal development services i do a few different things in life and one of the things is connecting people to their passions through visualization planning and goal setting and connecting to their community i also run different programs in the berry community for expression like drop-in improv and i help people learn about a special water that i've been drinking called kangen if you feel like leaving a review, I love to consider your feedback. And if you resonate with this energy, share it with a friend. Remember, the outer world is unpredictable. So 
do your best to control your inner world and create a nice life. Be kind, be curious, and be creative. Catch you on the flip side.